0: Episode number 118, let's do this thing. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's happening, guys? Welcome back to the show. 118 episodes in. And, uh, I, I got a little bit of an announcement. I'm extremely excited to let the Creating Space Tribe let you guys know that you, you guys have pulled this podcast into the Six Figure Club. We are over 100,000 total lifetime downloads now. And we're only just getting started. There's so many new ideas that are coming for the podcast and so much excitement that we have for this. But I need to thank each and every one of you. Namaste to this tribe. You guys show up every single week. And in the analytics that we're able to read on the hosting site called Audio Boom, what we can tell is from that 100,000 lifetime total downloads, over 20% of those downloads have come within the last... 40 days. Let me say that again. Over 20% of the 100,000 lifetime total downloads have come in the last 40 days. So, you guys are continuing to share the message. The message is getting in front of more people, and now we are in—we're uh, in Japan, Manato, Japan. Uh, I really want to give a shout out to you guys. We're in Tokyo, and we're heavy in Tokyo. And I wanted to give a shout out to each one of you in Tokyo, uh, big cities as well. Atlanta, Charlotte, Toronto, Vancouver. Thank you very much. River Falls still stays present up there as well. And Chicago is making a, a big move. Um, and then obviously big cities like New York and California that have big areas of population want to give shout outs to you guys as well. But just needed to shoot that across super grateful for every single one of you and to segue into the conversation that we have today for you Jay Papasan I'm really grateful for this conversation number 1 the energy was electric his uh his level of of vibration is really high his level of intelligence is obviously extremely high as well and for those of you who are unfamiliar With Jay Papasan. Some of you have heard of him. Other of you, um, I'm sure, are trying to figure out who he is right now. Jay Papasan is the vice president and uh, executive editor at Keller Williams Realty. Uh, He also is the author of the book, The One Thing, which was a New York Times, which was a Wall Street Journal number one bestseller. Uh, Yeah. The book, The One Thing is an incredible book that I was able to pick up on audiobook and this book taught me and teaches others tactics and tools to be able to figure out what is the one thing that you can do in your life that will make everything else easier it's a fantastic book and it's one that you can tell he did a lot of research uh took a lot of time and and kind of gathered all the information that he has experienced in his life and placed it into this book, I believe. And it's something so fantastic. But this conversation is excellent, and I cannot wait for you to dive into this episode, episode number 118 with Jay Papasan, and really just soak up this knowledge. My highlight of this moment, he actually said, there was a question that I asked him and I can't wait for you guys to get to this question, but it was a question that I asked him that he said in over the 100 interviews and podcasts that he's done, he's never been asked this question and super excited for you guys just to get to experience this. So pull out some notes. He's going to drop a lot of value. He's going to throw a lot of tools and tips and life hacks at you. Uh, Sit back, relax, enjoy this episode number 118 with the author of The One Thing, Jay Papazan. Jay Papazan, author of The One Thing, which really helped shape some of the rituals and some of the ways that I look at this entrepreneurial journey, post-professional career. I'm so excited to bring you on. Welcome to Creating Space, my man.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, man.
0: Yeah. Listen, you know, the one thing was really exciting because I'm always, my whole entire career as a soccer player was built on effort. Okay. So it was built on working really hard and not always working really smart. So later in my career, around year six and year seven, my body started to break down because I really wasn't working efficiently. So going through all the things that I went through in the mental struggles of changing identities and, and evolving and growing as a human, I said, okay, next level. When I, when I find this next thing, I'm going to try to be as efficient as possible. And when your book fell into my hand, the one thing, it changed the way I looked at everything now. So thank you. And Mr. Gary Keller, the guy you co-authored it with, thank you so much for writing that book, man.
1: Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's, I mean, we spent five years in a hole writing this sucker and researching it. And yeah. it's, I do not get tired of hearing that it helped people out, man, because that's what we hoped for. So thank you for that.
0: Well, I just I have to ask you, you know, your entire um, ideology of life is much similar to mine. It, you're, you are involved fully and surrounded by gratitude. So the first thing we start today, Jay, is what are you grateful for? What are you what are you juiced about?
1: Okay, so this is just pure coincidence, but like literally last night we announced that we had crossed the million copy sold threshold, which is a huge milestone for an author. Wow! And um, like my phone's been blowing up all day. Like friends, like congratulations, right? <laughs> I mean, it's the ultimate feel good for yeah, an author. Absolutely. Like dream of that, you plan for that, but you it, there's so many factors. It takes a lot of luck. Right. And man, I'm like I, so yeah, I'm super grateful. Um, to everybody who read it, reviewed it, and shared it, um, because it's people who've really taken that message out there, and that's that's just huge for me.
0: So, when you began writing this book, you've you've co-authored a couple of other books. You know, um, you've done really well in the real estate area in the real estate realm. But when crafting this book, which was about rituals and um, efficiency and so on and so forth, did you know you were onto something when you were writing it?
1: You know, when um, Gary was we were working on a real estate course is kind of the origin story for the book and it was about how um, New real estate agents could start a successful career and we had done all this research We had like a three-day, you know course or whatever all laid out and Gary took it home for the weekend and said Can I just tweak it right because I was running our education thing and he came back with this essay It was like 10 pages 14 pages and it was called the power of one and It was all about focus And the one thing for a real estate agent is lead generation. It's pretty much any service business. If you don't have clients, it doesn't matter how good you are at the service, right? Right. And my aha, I was in publishing for, you know, like seven years in New York. And I'd been following the book world for all this time. And I was like, well, this is Gary's good to great. This is the basis for all of his success. Right. So when I saw the concept, I mean, I went into him and our partners and I just said, this isn't an introduction. I think this is not just a book. I think this is the book. Exactly. And he's like, you know, I thought the same thing. So I'm getting (laughs) chill bumps thinking about it because it was really like a moment where we all kind of just said, wow, we have to, we have to write this book.
0: And when you get those messages, kind of those divine pushes into a direction where you have these ideas, right? I love how, um, you know, these ideas will come to you and you get that moment in a, where you're, you recognize its power and then you get to move forward with it or you decide whether or not it's the right time. Did you guys get working right away on that or was it, okay, we've got so much going on in other aspects of our lives. Let's shelve this for a second. Or was it so good you started
1: right away? We we dove right into it. And I, as I shared earlier, Like we almost spent five years researching and writing the book. It right. was our first non-real estate book. So we wanted to, to put our you know right foot out there first, sure. right foot forward, as they would say. And um, we were writing a book about focus, and we got distracted. That's the honest truth. The real estate market, as you know, we had the Great Recession. Right. And Gary, you know, his claim to fame is the largest franchise real estate firm in the world. And, you know, I remember, like, right in the middle of it, we're like, you know what? Our job right now is not this book, which we love and are enjoying. So we stopped for about six months and wrote another book about real estate to help people get through that period. Wow. So that— it probably would have been three years if we didn't get distracted.: Sure right? sure. but it was a long but it wasn't journey. like you
0: were distracted and put it down. you were distracted by solving a problem that was existing in society at that moment. You solved that, saved the world quickly, and then decided to get back on the journey.
1: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Using the logic of the book, a higher priority showed up and we did the right thing. We addressed yes. the higher priority. Even if it wasn't what we wanted to do. That's the truth.
0: I love that. So for some of the listeners um, who may not have read the book yet, let's talk about that highest priority and go ahead and explain some of that logic. And let's just kind of rift on that topic really quickly.
1: Sure. Like I I shared, like I thought this was like the essence of Gary. Gary, I think was, he's really smart. He's really hardworking. All the things you would expect from a successful entrepreneur. But I think his gift, his one thing is he is willing to figure out what the top priority is in any situation, and he'll give it more time and energy than anyone else. And he just understood that, like, if I figure out what's the true essence here, and it's like, how do I, how can I not be most efficient, but most effective, right? Right. The action that gives you the most results, he'll stay there longer than everybody else is bored. They've moved on. He'll go there. And so this book is to help people first and foremost identify that thing for them? Where can they be most effective where they want to be? And then kind of how to live it. Gary and I share one thing. That's one of the reasons we've stuck together for 16 years is like, I love new ideas, but I'm really passionate about behavior change. And that's tough. And like the results that the reviews I like are, I'm acting differently today. Not that I think differently. A lot of books do the thing. So we did kind of, if you remember time blocking, we walked people through the mechanics of Well, what does it look like to actually focus on something and get really good at it?
0: Right. So what are the key components you talk about focus? And and once you've recognized the highest priority, so to speak, right, whether that be behavioral change, whether that be lead generation, whatever it is that is your highest priority, walk me through some of the keys of focus that are massively important in, in your opinion.
1: Well, our number one result we wanted people from the book is that they would ask the question and try to make that a habit. Like, what's my one thing today? What's my one thing this week, this month, this year, right? Whatever your time frame for planning, do I know what my one thing is? A lot of times we do what's most urgent or what we can do the fastest and easiest. I know I fall prey to that a lot. Right. I can check it off fast. So I'll I'll clear the decks is my rationale before I do the important work. Got it. So figuring out what's most important is the first step. And then if there's a pattern, like when you're an athlete, um, I'm going to guess, like I played soccer, I was I, I was very amateurish about it, but I loved it. <laughs> um, there's natural talent that comes to play, but at the end of the day, whoever works the hardest in practice for a lot of athletes tends to be the one that has the most success on the field. Is that anywhere in the realm of...
0: Absolutely, we had John Gordon on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about grit being the pure predictor of talent and and success. I a hundred percent agree with that. The guys that show up, give the the most effort, the most often, they win the longest, for sure.
1: There, there you go. Like in writing, for me, um, I know that it's a couple of key activities. I need to read a lot of good writing, so I have a lot of ideas to connect the dots with, and I need to write a lot. Yeah, or I'll ever get around to writing those books. So most activities, whether it be sports or for me writing or coding or sales, there's usually one thing that is the biggest predictor of success in that. And so how do you make that a habit? So if I had to like give you the elevator speech, you, you make appointments with yourself to do that most important activity. And there's a lot of research that shows just dedicating time, like at 8am every day, I'm going to do X that simple act of navigating our busy schedules and making that commitment makes you three times more likely to do it. Wow. From 30% to 90%. So boom, right there, you have so much more likely to do it just by calendaring it. And then our research showed it's not 21 days or 30 days, but on average, it takes about 66 days to form a habit. And we could go deep on that if you want. Let's go. Let's tell people take a 66 day challenge, identify that thing, figure out when you're going to do it on a regular basis. And then commit to doing it for 66 days, no matter how small you start, one push-up a day, whatever. Build the habit of working out at 5.30 a.m. and see where that takes you. I think people underestimate or they overestimate how much they can accomplish in, in one month or two months, and they vastly underestimate what they can accomplish in three or four years. So what Uh,
0: it what it is do you think about the human nature and 66 days maybe someone on the other end of that sounds or seems or thinks to themselves, holy smokes, that's a long time. (laughs) <laughs> where do where do you find where do you find to be? See, I that?
1: I think that's so short. I have to one year. Yeah.
0: Well, listen, listen you're. I mean, you're the you're the master of this thing, right? You've got behavioral habits and change seemingly uh, mastered.
1: Question no, for you: no, is, I fail all the time. Uh, I'm the big failure there is, but I'm trying. I don't give up. Yeah. So, I like so that. Where does that number come from? Why do you think it's actually research?
0: Right. Right. So the 66 days, where do you see in your research that most people fall off? Is it early? Is it 10 days or, or before? Is it after three oh. weeks? Where is it that people seem to start to fall off in that search for 66 straight days?
1: Okay. Well, I've love that's a, I've never been asked that question in like a hundred interviews. I love that question. Really? We took about a thousand people. We have a course called Time Blocking Mastery and we took about a thousand people through it so far. Okay. And it's been fun. We walk them through 10 weeks of training. So that's about 66 days. Right. And I'll tell you in the beginning, the first two or three weeks, right? You go through this period where it's new, it's novel, it's exciting. You're telling people, hey, I'm working out at 530 in the morning. (laughs) I feel great. Or, oh, I'm so sore, but it's still novel, right? The novelty's there. Somewhere around three weeks to five weeks, it's when the novelty wears off and before the payoff begins. You know, if you've ever done a diet or exercise program, there's that moment where you're just kind of chugging along. You're just churning in like you feel like you're gaining weight or whatever. And then someone just looks up and goes, hey, man, you look really great. What are you doing? But it's that it happens farther than people think. Right. And it's that little valley between novelty and results is where most people drop out. Wow. And that's like impressive. You know, somewhere between 20 and 35 days. 20 and 35 days is
0: the inflection point where people either go one way or the other, right? So that's the biggest predictor. If I can get past 20 to 35, then I'm, I, I can I can bet that I'll, I'll make it to
1: 66, right? You get some payoff. I mean, you get tangible payoff right around there. Sure. And that usually keeps people engaged. And the other thing people do, like you're a high achiever, right? You've been Try a professional be. athlete. You've now launched your own brand. Uh, people who are entrepreneurs, right? They also will go in there, and right around that third week, the novelty's wearing off, and they'll say, well, I'm going to add another thing to it. Ah. And so they'll divide their attention. It would be the number two reason they fail at about the same point. It's after the novelty. And so they think that, oh, I'm done. I'm moving on to the next thing. <laughs> and it all falls apart because now they've divided their willpower between a bunch of different things. So we did the research. Uh, we didn't do the research. Australian researchers did at the College of New London. And We asked them for their actual results. And so it's interesting. They had, I think, 200 graduate students take on a new habit. They followed them for the year and they just asked two questions. How hard was it? um, And did you do it? And they found that around 66 days, it got as 95% of the effort was gone. That's why they called that habit formation. But the danger of that is like my joke is, um, Wes, what's the average temperature in America today?
0: The average temperature in America today, I would say it have to fall somewhere around yeah, the I'm going to cut you off.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like okay. I'm in Austin. I've got to dress for Austin. I don't know where you are. you got to dress for there. So average is interesting, but it's not relevant to anything specific. That's a great And point. so the range was incredible. Some people formed a habit after 18 days, and some people it took over 250. Wow. So – Be, you know, I say go at least, I mean, average is 66. So let's start there. Sure. But if you don't feel like it's set, then you need to keep going. And once it feels as easy, like automatic, like brushing your teeth, you don't have to think about that, hopefully, right? Yeah. You wake up, you can stumble into the bathroom and get that (laughs) job done. Your parents worked on us for years to make that happen. Right. And boom, you've got that habit. The people who become super entrepreneurs play this game. They wait till it's absolutely set. And the maintenance takes almost no energy, right? How much effort does it take for you to brush your teeth? Zero. Right, and it's one of the things, dental health, that gives us more longevity than anything else today, right? Really? That's one of the, We're living decades longer than our ancestors because of that little habit, right? So right. You just keep adding them on. And so that's kind of what I tell people, pick the thing that's your biggest pain point or your biggest opportunity, figure out that activity, put it on your calendar, and then go do at least 66 days.
0: 66 days. Right now, mine is putting the cell phone down at night out of my room, picking up a good book and giving myself, even if it's five minutes or four pages, I've got to do a little bit more. And I don't like some of the habits that I'm in. When I wake up, first is the phone or when I go to, before I go to yeah. bed, first is the phone. I think we all have that. What right now, what behavioral change are you working on? Do you have any one thing that you're focusing on and changing for yourself?
1: Um, I've been focused really hard on reading one book a week. Um, that's a real core activity. Um, I usually set that goal. And for the last three or four years I was doing, you know, 45. And then last year I did 40 and I was noticing I, I, I'm, I'm kind of reaffirming that habit. And it's a commitment that sometime around Wednesday, if I haven't opened the book I'm reading, I'm really headed for trouble. (laughs) So, um, I try to stay ahead of it now. And I'm trying also consciously not to pick short books to cheat, right? I'm trying to pick books I need and just build the habit that I'm keeping pace. So like I know that we're in the, I think the 21st week of the year right now, and I've read 20 books Wow, and I'm just, I'm tracking them. And that's something that I know that when I'm, my friend told me creativity is connecting the dots. So it makes sense as a writer that you want the most dots to connect Sure. And so for me, I've got to feed that engine. And when I don't, I know that my writing suffers. So that's what I'm, I'm focused on. It's not a new habit, Sure. but I'm really getting um, purposeful about making sure I'm meeting my commitments there.
0: All right. So of the 20 books that you've read this year, give me your top three thus far.
1: Now, I'm going to give you my top one. Okay. I love that. You have it right. Um, I, right now, I, I knew you'd have it, it on you. So there's a book called Do Open. Um, it's by a guy named David. Hyatt, H-I-E-A-T-T-T. So you can put that in your show notes. And it was just a very simple book about the importance of building your email list. And I've mm. believed this. That's been the number one asset we've focused on for the last four and a half years as entrepreneurs, Right. owning that platform for ourselves and that conversation with our customers, like you're doing with your podcast. And this is one of the most eloquent explanation. So I just bought like literally two days ago, I bought a, a case of them to give to my team. So we can talk about it and reaffirm why we're doing this.
0: Love that. We have something that uh, in the Creating Space movement, we're really focused on right now. We're watching a couple of uh, some of these email marketers and their tactics of how they're c- having conversations. And it really, the strategy behind it is really beautiful, man. And I, I'm really enjoying kind of putting some focus and energy towards that as the return, obviously, is speaks for itself. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about some of the habits that you have, Jay. That, sure. Uh, that you have that you're proud of. You just mentioned reading a book a week for 52 weeks. Holy smokes, that makes my brain hurt. Um, <laughs> as a dysle- as a kid who self-diagnosed dyslexic, it's so hard for me to sit down and really focus and read a book. So I I need to get better at it, but audiobooks really help me doing the po- uh, podcasts on the that move. That totally those counts, kind of things. absolutely. Totally
1: counts, like right. So yeah. you know, I've got a, my one of my my coworkers is totally ADD, right. but he listens to his books and he can wander around the house and like fold clothes or do chores, sure. And still, he'll take notes and and do bookmarks. He's still an active learner. Right. And he gets through a lot that way as well.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah. Those, kinesthetic learning, man. And learning through motion or within motion is awesome. What are some other habits, man? What are some things that make so you great?
1: One of my um, favorite pages in the book is page 114. Obviously, nobody listening to this in their car can see that. But mm-hmm. we describe the seven areas in your life that you might apply the one thing. You know, mm-hmm. What's the one thing I can do for my spiritual life, for my physical health? And I remember, um, I don't know, maybe a couple of years before publication, my wife and I went through all seven of those. We already had some habits in some of them. And we said, let's identify what our one thing is together. She's an entrepreneur as well and hold each other accountable to doing them. And so some of the big ones, like um, we have kids, 12 and 11, soon to be a 13 year old in my family. Uh-oh. But like every evening, we've already had the habit of eating dinner together. Except for Friday nights, we don't eat in front of the TV. Um, we read all this research about families that eat together, blah, 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 right? Sure. So we added a new one. We wanted gratefulness. And, you know, you started this podcast with gratefulness. <laughs> you know how important that is. Absolutely. And so I just asked the kids, Wendy or I, are, if we don't ask it, the kids do. What's one thing you're grateful for today? And I'm telling you, out of the last 5,000 days or whatever, my son is like 90% of the time said his Xbox that he paid for himself. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's informative. Um, you know, my daughter's like always the pets and, you know, um, or maybe our, you know, sometimes she sucks up and it's mom and dad, but mom and dad can also role play like our home or our health. Right. And it's just, it's really cool being grateful. Um, my wife and I, I had back surgery in 2011. I was about 45 pounds heavier than I am now. And, um, I was just shut down. Like my back was in horrible shape and I was like, I had to have a stool on stage to speak. Wow. Not fun. And I did a journey on that. And the biggest thing, I think it's now almost seven years, we made a commitment to work out together. We had small kids. Um, They were 16 months apart. And we didn't want to have a babysitter to go to the gym together. So we had the gym come to us three days a week. And we had this guy, Dallas Seeley. I I mean, he's got the great Texas trainer name. He'd show up at 5 a.m., which means we had to get up before 5 a.m., in our driveway and take us through an hour long workout three days a week. Wow. And it was huge for us. And um, our one, I, I thought it was all about health, but there was something about training with my wife who was never an athlete. Who was never considered herself physical. But I mean, I mean she can bang out those burpees now, man. She is really so good. And it's so fun because it's that time we we're doing something together Every morning, pretty much now, because the mornings we don't work out, we're still getting up. We're programmed to get up that early now. Sure, sure, sure. And, um, but we're launching our days with something that's really helpful. So like, that's one I'm really proud of. And we've stuck to it religiously.
0: So you guys still have the trainer coming by at this time, three days a week, working out with you guys or are you our c- now our
1: kids are older. So we're getting up, th- we getting up 30 minutes later. So he <laughs> nice. shows up at five thirty. Now it's a different trainer. Dallas oh. moved on. Um, Chris is our trainer now. And so we get up at 510. So I need about 20 minutes to get my body ready to go seriously work out. And we, he always has like, uh, I did the, the Murph challenge on Monday for Memorial day. You know what?
0: I, I was going to do that and decided to have a, I have some tendonitis in my elbow because I do all calisthenic workouts. So I'm, I'm pull up bars. I'm, um, you know, functional movement properties. That's
1: what we do too.
0: Yeah. How was that? How was that Murph challenge for those? Uh For for those of you listeners who are not familiar with it, the, 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 Murph challenge is a one mile run, then 300, um, Jay, you can go ahead and tell it. So one mile yeah, run, I, I,
1: right? I painfully remember all of it. It's a mile <laughs> run. It's a hundred pushup, a you know, hundred pull-ups, 200 push ups, 300 squats, and then a mile run. And it's how fast can you do it?
0: And it's with a weighted vest though,
1: right? I didn't have a weighted vest. So like okay. I didn't, like I decided to do it kind of at the last minute. I was the one to do something patriotic. Right. And it's like, we had just figured out how to do the pull-ups in my garage. We we were temporarily living in a house and I'm like, okay we can do this. I didn't have a weight vest and it's probably, I mean, I, I'm going on 48 years old. So I, I, that's my mental language is probably not healthy, but I was like, <laughs> I can do this. It was great. I mean, I was emotionally, like if I did a marathon a long time ago. Wow. All of my willpower was done after this because sure. I took a lot of mental energy to kind of force yourself way past your limits, but it was a great experiment. I totally, I would say do it, and I would tell you, train for it. <laughs> the next day I was walking around like an old man, um, but it was great. It was really rewarding. I loved it.
0: Really cool. Yeah, I look back on that, and I wish I had done that. I actually wimped out, and it's not like me to to shy away from a like. An well, you took care event. of your body.
1: I heard you. You have
0: eyes. so do it next year. Yeah, yeah. I'll be. I'll pay. I'll be patient on that. So working out every morning, some gratitude. These are some things that that are really important for you. Um, creating space is a lot about the the connection to the soul all right, and the mm-hmm. connection of the mind, body, and soul. Talk to me a little bit about, you mentioned the spiritual aspect. Talk to me a little bit about how important that is in your life and some of the rituals or routines that you may have that keep you sharp and keep you connected to something bigger than you.
1: Um, I think for me, the being really clear about my purpose and why I'm here You know, I know you sometimes ask people like, you know, who you see when you look in the mirror. Like, I know who I want to see. I really am clear about that. Right. And it's I want to see the best husband and father I can be. That's kind of the sounds a little cheesy. No, I I learned a while back that I'm my best person professionally when I'm very clear of the consequences of not succeeding there. Like, I want to earn my wife's respect. We're going on 18 years of marriage. I want to keep earning that respect from her. And I never want her. She told me once. She called me on it. Sounds like you're going to mail it in, Jay, on a book project. And I didn't want to write the book. It was something that I had to do professionally. And then I realized, like, how can I tell my kids to be their best and tell my wife every day that I'm an author and I'm trying to do these things and just mail it in? And that the price of not doing that, the cost for me is losing their respect. And so on the top of my goal sheets that they're right in front of me, be the best father, um, husband and father I can be. And my three values are family impact and profit. Like I wanna give my time to things where it doesn't cost me my family, I can have an impact and hopefully there's profit as well. And that, that, that leads me down the right path where I'm not violating my values and I can live with myself. I like who I see in the mirror.
0: Right. I love that, man. And and when you're doing things uh, on a daily basis to serve others, it, uh, that law of reciprocity comes back around, right? You all get into the feedback loops of serving each other, right?
1: Well, I mean, Gary and I, like I shared earlier, like we want to change lives. Um, we put so much work into these books. It's really gratifying. And there's no amount of money an author can make that is going to impact like Gary's world. Like he is he's done bigger things in business. So this is a passion project for him. Right. And I'm, I'm there with him. So I mean, I've always dreamed of being a writer, dude. I wanted to write books since I was 12. That's so awesome. like I'm living in that place where, um, my dreams are being fulfilled and I get to help others fulfill theirs. And that's like, I can't tell you, there's nothing more rewarding than that for me, whether it's, you might be a doctor or a surgeon, whatever that is for you, this is what it is for me.
0: I love it. And that manifestation of the visualization process, you talked about the vision, right? The visualization aspect of that, of truly believing that you have that inside of you and then working to pull that out. Let's let's stick there for a second because yeah, I had posters of all sorts of professional athletes. There was no white space in my room when I was younger. It was the only thing that that, that was going to happen. So I recognized that I began law of attraction and manifestation at a young age, visualization, even before I had any idea what I was doing. So the one thing I recognized though, is that vision inside of my mind allowed me to get through all of the challenges, the, the small things that came up along the way, because I was connected to something that was so yeah. big in my mind and I truly believed it. So the question for you is, Along the way, right, you had to suffer some some setbacks and whatnot. It's just what life throws at you. What was it about your connection to becoming an author that kept you standing up, staying resilient, and having grit
1: along the way? Um, to be honest with you, I dreamed of it, but I didn't believe it was possible for me till I was well into my thirties. So, like, if you look at um, you want to go and don't go down that rabbit hole. So I'll just say, if you looked at my life and you looked at the breadcrumbs, everybody would go like that dude should be writing books. Right? I, right. I tried to write stories. I was passing stories around at the table, lunch table in high school. You know, I was an English major with creative writing. I went to graduate school, studied writing, got into publishing. I worked in bookstores, became an editor in New York. Like everything I'm doing has a book in it somewhere. And that's what I'm doing for my hobby as well. But I kind of, kept selling myself short, even though I dreamed of it, I just wanted to be near it. And I thought that was enough. It wasn't really until I ran into Gary Keller and I got this amazing opportunity because I heard he was going to write books. I had been in big publishing. I was like, Hey, do you remember this? And we connected. Um, in, in three months, I fulfilled that dream. And I just remember it was like, it was very soon after, um, my wife coached me. It was one of those great moments of accountability from my wife. Um, I met, she wanted to introduce me to a writer cause she knew I liked to write and you know, read books. And I went out to dinner with this guy and I said, where have you been published? What are you doing? And at that point I hadn't been published. I had like a couple of magazine stories and he's like, oh, I've never been published. Um, what are you writing? It's, oh, I'm just this and that. Like he had no credentials, no education, nothing, but he self-identified as a writer. And I remember I was struggling with this in the car on the way home. And Wendy's like, you know, her usual virtual slap me around the head. <laughs> like, Jay, you're, 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 who you are is not your job title. So he's really clear about who he is. He's a writer. And we'll see where that goes. Said, you know, you're so focused on what your title is and, I, and trying to justify what you love into that title. Flip it around, who do you want to be? And just start announcing that. And so when I hooked up with Gary, it had been like six months prior, people asked me what I did. I started saying, well, I'm a writer. Well, what do you do? Well, I'm doing research at Keller Williams, but I'm a writer. Right. And lo and behold, what happens right after that? Right. So I'm probably, you know, at that point I'm, you know, not 40 yet. I'm like in my you know, early 30s, 32, 33. I can't remember, do the math in my head, but I'm, I'm well into my life before it comes together. Um, but I just remember that moment when my wife taught me that I needed to figure out who I wanted to be, put it out in the world. And then the world really kind of rushed to me, um, pretty quickly.
0: I love that, man. When you speak things to exist into existence, the universe starts to try to siphon these new, um, realities and and circumstances around you to give you the opportunity to catch up, um, and, and have this whole new life built for you. The next question I want to talk about, listen, I, I struggled, uh, Jay. It sounds like you've heard a little bit of the show, but I struggled with uh, mental illness. I struggled with uh, depression, anxiety. I was suicidal at one point. It was all mm. based. It was all based around a story that I was telling myself inside of my head, which I'm sure in behavioral habits you have an idea of, right? It was this story of not being worthy, past experiences, the culmination of all these things coming at one time. It wasn't until I, uh, you know, I became aware and more evolved and started to see the story and the gremlins for what it was that I was able to then put it in a place and understand what it was and then move beyond it. My question for you is what story were you telling yourself in that time where you didn't identify as a, as a, as a writer, as an author, what was that story? And obviously the accountability helped you get over it, but what were you telling yourself?
1: You know, I think, um, I think what I was telling myself is I still have time And I I thought that it would always be that thing I did later. And, you know, I've learned this since I've gotten to work with Gary. Like, I was making a bet I couldn't cover, right? It's like, if I don't do it this year, it's like I'll magically get another year added to my life where I'll have another chance. Right. Uh, We don't know what that time frame is. And playing a game like, oh, I'll work really hard and spend time with my family later. You can't cover that bet. You just may be missing out. And I think I was... I was playing that game, that right. I still have time, I still have time, and I could justify, look at all these books I've edited, look at all these, I know so much about publishing, I'm laying the groundwork, right? I'm laying the groundwork. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's a terrifying thing to do um, to step up and try to live your dream, because what happens if you fail? Mm. And the reality is, like, now that I'm on the other side, is like, everybody who's successful failed all the time all the time it, it's just it's, it's 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 you can't do it without it and right. so you just have to kind of step out trip bloody your nose skin your knees and then go oh wait you get to get back up and keep trying um i, I but love the that you start falling forward the better you'll be but that takes an act of courage for me it took some circumstance too sure um, and i consider myself kind of a risk taker i've lived abroad i've run with the bulls i've done some stuff that most people would say was not wise but i I was a little afraid of maybe figuring that out or going or going public with it
0: sure sure putting yourself out there and taking the risk to be judged publicly you know we had laird hamilton on the show not too long ago and i asked him the question man this cool guy oh my god the coolest (laughs) dude man he is the coolest um so anyways i'm I'm staring across from laird hamilton now look at this guy you know just the essence of like awesomeness for the for a man's man right I look at Laird and I go, Laird, who's the biggest influence in your life? Laird looks back at me and he goes, the ocean. He goes, you know, no matter how much I failed in nature, I had to sir, I had to figure out how to overcome that failure or else I was dead. You yeah. Uh, so he said there was so much that he learned in his life off of nature, off the ocean. That was the biggest influence in his life. I'm, I'm sitting across from Love yourself. That. I'm sitting across from yourself equally as impressive, equally as uh, influential for myself in my life in a different way, though. Talk to me about who is the most influential person. Who's been the most influential person or thing or experience in your life thus far?
1: Um, there's a handful of people. Like First and foremost this is my wife, like that partnership. Right. Um, I love that she chose to become an entrepreneur. Um, so we're living that kind of journey in parallel and we do an annual retreat together and plan out our years and we're in sync and that's like, you know, that's a gift, right? That's really, everybody has that, um, Gary Keller, obviously like I've gotten to work with a self-made billionaire. Who happens to have one of the biggest hearts on earth? He's one of the most generous people ever. He's tough. Don't get me wrong. He is. He expects a lot of everybody. Right. Gift too, but I've learned so many amazing lessons from working closely with him and observing how he's handled his challenges. Those would be one and two, and then you know, had really good parents. You know, I remember having a stigma about being a writer. Like, can you come from a non-divorced parents and, you know, middle-class family, and that still be a quote writer. Sure. uh, Because they just treated me well and they've supported me and been really good role models themselves. So like those, that's kind of the short list is Wendy, you know, my current partner, and then my folks have been pretty amazing.
0: And it sounds like you got a really good support system all around you. Let's talk about some of the accomplishments you've had in your life. When I think back to my my playing career, it was my MLS debut that I will remember always. March nineteenth, two thousand and eleven. I will always remember that. Um, another aspect of something I'm most proud of um, when I when I launched Creating Space and we had the fiftieth episode. It was the first time. People around me had celebrated what I was doing because it was now something for other people where my professional oh. career was something all about me, right? And that's the difference, the the polar opposites of the journey and what it teaches you. However, um, those are a couple of things that I look back on and I really smile about. All the things you've done, can you go on a rift about some of the things that you're most proud about in your life thus far?
1: Um. Are we gonna limit it to professional accomplishments? because that's do, like
0: no, 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 you do whatever comes to your mind straight away, let's run with it.
1: I mentioned it before. like, I don't want to go all cheese ball on you, but like I really think that like the hardest job I've ever had is being a good husband and a father. And so yeah. eighteen years of that, we're about to celebrate our anniversary later, like month after next. Um, that's a big deal, and I try not to take that for granted um, professionally, you know, so the husband, father, obviously number one, professionally, yeah, I dreamed of writing a book, and the first time I saw my name, you know, on the cover of the book—that printed thing—yeah, I uh, was undeniably an amazing moment. What uh, that
0: feel like? What? What did you do? What, was did it hit you all in that moment, or did it take some time? Walk me through that specific experience.
1: Um, I remember getting chill bumps. I remember also. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a pessimist, right? I really believe everything's possible, but there's a book called Edward de Bono's like six thinking hats or whatever. And there's this thing called the black hat. And I know I always I go, wow, that's me. It's <laughs> the person who sees how something might fail. Right. Oh. You look at a situation and I'm like, Oh, don't run with those scissors kid. Like you see the problem. I mean, that's that editor's gene in me, right? That's Got part it. of what my skill set is. And I, you know, I think most writers are a little neurotic anyway, but I remember thinking at the same time, I'm so pleased at seeing the first printed copy of my book thinking, oh my gosh, I hope people like it. Right. Right. So there's all of these moments out there. Um, but seeing that was the first time I was ever printed. Um, the first time I ever appeared on a bestseller list, they misspelled my name. Um, but I got a really funny note back (laughs) about that. Um, that was cool actually. Um. The the one thing was the longest journey for me in terms of working hard and writing and rewriting. Ray Bart, our publisher, like he had the book proofread three times, which I'd never heard of in 20 years in publishing. Wow. Because we wanted it to be so right. And I remember again that fear of we put all this effort into it. I made so many sacrifices for it. Will it be worth it? And um, I've told Ellen this several times. She was our marketing director, a woman named Ellen Curtis. She's tough, man. She's a tough business person, and she will tell you what it is. You've got spinach in your teeth, Jay. Your flies down, Jay. <laughs> well, she doesn't just tell you what you want to hear.
0: You need those people in your life. Those are so important.
1: Oh, it's invaluable. Right. And I remember we were circulating the manuscript for this book, and I got a note from her, and she said how much – she thought not only is it good, it's great. Right. That basically, and I just broke down in tears, man. I mean, wow. there's no other I mean, I remember exactly where I was in the office. I still have that note, but I just remember this feeling of immense satisfaction and relief at the same time. Like, okay, this is gonna happen. It's gonna be okay. Right. Um, but those are big ones for me. You know, like we just I mean, today, hey man, we just announced we sold a million copies. Congratulations so million copies, by the, the seller's way, seller's a big deal. That's
0: so huge. That's I mean, that's Big time. You were telling me off air that you've just been getting lit up with cell phones and friends coming to celebrate you, man. Let me take a second and say congratulations. That's incredible. That's really awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, And so, you know, those are are some of the big ones. You know, I think um, I feel like uh, recently I, you know, hired a man named Jeff Woods to kind of launch a training company around the book. And I've been an entrepreneur within a company and it's the first time I've launched a company and I did it. Um, you know, my wife pointed out last Tuesday, I was kind of being hard on myself. She goes, but you realized we call it seventh leveling of business. And the ultimate level for a real estate agent is when they step out and someone else runs their business. You guys, you started that way because you made a commitment to Gary that you weren't going to leave writing and publishing. So you were, you're not going to go do this new thing, right? Stay where you are. And, um, I'm pretty proud of what we built there because I've had to do it, succeed through someone else, which is a value that I think is really important in life and to do it through someone else has been really satisfactory because it's cool. I get to help him and he's building something for us. That's really worthwhile. The rising
0: tide raises all ships. Doesn't it Jay?
1: Yeah. And so does the sinking one, unless you're a better swimmer, (laughs) right? So, I mean, I I don't want the tides to be about success, right? I want it to be about what we do.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And and the collaborative efforts, I think, are so important, man, is we can lean on each other and provide value in different ways and help each other succeed. That's, for me, collaboration and not competition is – what it's all about in this entrepreneurial journey moving forward. Listen, I know oh, your, your time is so important and I've, I've had you on the wheel. I love it being really hyper-connected to you in this conversation as we round this thing out. Last thing, uh, last couple of questions for you. First and foremost, for the Creating Space tribe, people who have been as connected to this conversation as I have been, I'm sure, what are some really valuable pieces of advice, whether it be life advice, business advice, whatever type of advice you want to give for the group? What would you offer them in this moment?
1: Um, you know, I think I said it earlier. I think people overestimate what they can accomplish, you know, this year and underestimate what they can do. What I think is a really short period of time, like three to five years, like you can transform your world. If you're willing to stick to your one thing for just three to five years, you can launch an amazing business. You can build a whole new life for yourself, but people want it to happen fast. So I would first say, Get clear about what you want for your life. I mean, it took me, what, 33 years, whatever, to figure out where I needed to be. Right. And I've managed to build a lot since then. Uh, but you don't need to wait. Um, just believe in your ability to fail forward and get, but get clear about what you want. I mean, it's so much of success. is just getting what you want. And the challenge isn't in the doing. It's in knowing what you want. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, I think that would be the number one thing. As entrepreneurs, as business people, Um, you know, our mutual colleague, you know, you, you're in the podcast world, Pat Flynn, he wrote that book, Will It Fly? Incredible book. I love, I love the idea because he's trying to get people before they start the business. Is this even the right business for you? Are you doing it for the right reasons? And I hadn't seen anybody ask those questions. So if you get clear about what's inside, what are your values? What matters to you? Cause it, most creation, you know, as they say, is the old Covey inside than outside. Right. So it's going to start here. So sure. might as well get clear about what's inside you so that you'll recognize it when it shows up and you can protect it and and make it sacred.
0: Man, that's an amazing piece of advice. And, and it's a constant journey as you continue to evolve and the experiences keep coming yeah. uh, into your life. And that is what the essence of creating space. The mindset is about how do I get 10,000 feet above? How do I take a look at what's going on and how do I really make conscious decisions about what I want to continue with and what I want to remove? So I I love it. What a great way to end this. Last thing I'll ask is the last question I've been given uh, on the podcast. And I I have an idea that I know where you're going to go, but last question for your eulogy, when it's all said and done for you, right? And, and they're, they're announcing um, uh, probably a celebration for you. What what do you hope is said in that eulogy?
1: Um, well, husband, father, yep. if I do those two jobs right, I don't really care about anything else. Wow. Um, but, um, you know, maybe he made time for what was important and um, made time for others. I think that would be um, pretty much it for me. I mean, I I tell my partner, Jeff, we're in the business of helping people, um, invest their time better and essentially giving them more time with the things that matter. If we do our job through the book and the training, people are spending more time with the things that matter most and what a gift that is. So when I say like he gave time to what matters, that it's not just for me. Hopefully that's for the people around me too.
0: Absolutely. Jay, I appreciate you giving time for this Creating Space podcast. I am excited to continue. And for my, you know, for my selfish aspect, I can't wait to continue to be influenced by you and inspired by you. And thank you so much for for coming on and and spending some time with us.
1: I love talking to you, Wes. It was really fun. Thank you.